Hi everybody. Welcome to the third installment of Holy Woman 2. Just gonna wait a second. Hello, I'll get to say hello. Hi, Mayor. Thank you everybody for joining. Could be one of my favorite classes. <laughs> this could be one of my favorite. Oh, you got 2-H bracelets, amazing. I'm actually not wearing mine tonight, but I am wearing a bracelet from one of my good friends who has actually an awesome uh, Instagram, The Challah Project. You should definitely check her out. And she got me this as a gift. It's not a TOH one. Um, hi, everybody. Okay, welcome. So I'm super excited um, about this class, about Leah. Um, and I explained last week that what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to compare Rachel to Leah. And last week we spoke very much about Rachel and her ability to pass on to the Jewish people this midah of Yisod, this midah of having strength in a place where there's like hefker and there's no boundaries. And we see that she was able to remain quiet when she needed to remain quiet and she was able to speak up when she needed to speak up. And when even when she did speak up, her speech that she said wasn't her own will, it was Hashem's will. So she was able to like channel it and like be zen and in the moment and give over the secrets to her sister. And then we see that she passed that on to eventually to Yosef when he was in the house of Isha's Potiphar and when he was in jail and all the difficulties that he went through. Um, we see that she passed that, us, passed that on to us in her DNA. So now what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about Leah. So Leah is um, her twin sister, and we'll just like recap a little bit of the story of Leah, and then we'll get into asking some questions about what Leah passed on to us. So we explained very clearly last week that Rachel and Leah are not just sisters, they're not just married, both married to Yaakov, they're actually two builders of the Jewish nation. They are like um, Chazal say that they're two beams that run through the entire Jewish nation. They give us support for us to get through everyday challenges. So Rachel taught us one thing, and now we're going to try to understand what Leah teaches us. So the story of Leah is that when they were born, um, when Rachel and Leah were born, the people of the town and in Shemayim, they already said, and this is where we learn that um, before somebody's born, 40 days before someone's born, they say that this person is going to marry this this person, right? Um, your shidduch is kind of made in heaven, match made in heaven. Hashem kind of arranges it. Um, but it says that, you know, Rivka had twin girls, Rachel, um, twin boys, sorry, Yaakov and Esau, and her brother Lavan had twin girls. So the older one will marry the older one and the younger one will marry the younger one. And as they got older, this is how the townspeople spoke, you know, this is how news spread. And Leah would inquire, you know, about Aesop. She was a little concerned. She was like, did you hear? Like, anybody know? How's Aesop? You know, what kind of guy is he? Is he good looking? Is he six feet tall? No, I'm kidding. She actually would inquire about his videos and find out what kind of person he was. And she kept hearing that he was like ish tzayed, he was out there in the field, you know, he was involved maybe with some of Odezara. Yeah, like he, you know, he did have kibbutz of aim for his father, but you know, he wasn't the greatest catch. And as opposed to what she heard about Yaakov was that he was ish tam, yushik olalim, and he wanted to do righteous, and he was good, and he was a tzaddik. And she would be sitting at home and she would just cry and cry and cry. It says to the point that she cried so much that her eyelashes fell out, that she had nothing left. She was crying and davening to Hashem that she did not want to partake in this marriage with a terrible person. Um, and while this is happening, um, 
you know, secretly Lavan sends her into the wedding, right? You know, Yaakov meets Rachel and he realizes he's destined to be with her. She's a Karasabayas. He wants to be with her. He's a righteous person. She's a righteous person. And he worked very, very hard for seven years to get Rachel. Um, and he was, he understood that Lavan was like a trickster. So he told him very specifically, Rachel, Bitcha, Kitana, I want the younger one. I want the daughter who's named Rachel, the one that I love. That's the one I want to marry. And then it comes the night of the wedding and obviously, you know, Rachel gives over the secrets and Leah is the one to marry Yaakov that night. And it says a whole night he called her Rachel and she answered to that name. And only in the morning did he realize that it was Leah. And he looked at her and he said, Bataramai, like you are the daughter of a trickster. How could you do something like that to me? And to which she responded, by the way, the best comeback line ever. She said, excuse me, you did the same thing to your father. You're also a trickster. When your father called your name and he said, who is that? And you even used your brother's name. So I answered to my sister's name. You answered to your brother's name. Two can play the same game. But obviously this is, this is not a joke of a story. This is not just like the latest gossip here. You know, there's something much deeper happening here in the story of Leah. And when the, the whole fact that it had to go about in a secret way is something that we're going to understand. And it's not a story that just happened with Leah. There are many descendants of Leah that come about in this tricky, funny, hidden way that it's hard for us to understand, but we'll try to get to it. So um, these concepts were taught to me from Rebbe Leah Cohn, and also she quotes the Shemi Shmuel specifically under this idea. So when I get to that, I want to make sure that I say where this Torah comes from. So Leah is now married to Yaakov, and not only is she married to Yaakov, she actually becomes the one who has the most children, right? She has six of the 12 tribes, while the other wives have two. You would think that it would split it down evenly, right? 12 divided by four is three. You know, I have some math skills. Um, but no, Leah has six, and then the other wives only have two. Leah is the one who actually is buried with Yaakov in Mar'asamach Pela. So what we see from this, even though she started off being the hated wife and the one who Yaakov necessar didn't necessarily want to be with, and it says that Hashem saw that Leah was hated, Ene Leah Rako, she wasn't necessarily the prettiest one, right? Rachel was beautiful, Yifas Mareb, Yifas Toar, she was beautiful, and here's Leah, you know, in need of lash extensions, but yet she has six of the 12 tribes, and she, oh, you're Leah? Oh, amazing. Um, my daughter's second name is Leah. I'm connecting to it very much right now. Um, and she ends up being endgame, right? She ends up being with whom Malchus Beis David comes from, and Mashiach comes from, and, and she has more, more of the Shvatim than the other wives, and she's, and she's buried with Yaakov. So what is going on here, and what, what's the meaning behind this? So in order for us to understand this, we have to go way back in time to Gan Eden. In Gan Eden, there were very famous two trees, right? One tree was Etachayim, and another tree is Eit Hadas Tovara. So these two trees are actually compared to Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav are compared to these two trees. We have Yaakov, who's the Etachayim, who's the Torah, who wants to do good, who's righteous, who's, he, deep down inside of him, he only wants to do good and only wants to connect to Hashem. And by the way, we see this from the moment Yaakov was born. Yaakov already told Esav, I just want the world to come. I want to be connected to Hashem. I want the world of spirituality. You, Esav, you could stay down here. You can have everything here in this world. That's why I need the brachos. I want to be the Bahar. I want the world to come. 
And Esav is compared to the eight Hadas Tovurah. Tovurah, right? What does that tree mean? Here I'm giving in front of you an option to do good and an option to do evil. What am I going to tell you to do? I want you to choose good. So these are two ways to connect to Hashem. We can connect to Hashem with the way of Asetov, go out there, do good, be it tzaddik, you know, rise to the highest levels. Or you can be faced with difficulty, faced with Ra, and you can push that away and you do Sor Ra and then Asetov. So you have to first push away the bad and then you can do good. Now, really what we learned from here is that Asab had the potential, a very, very, very high potential to be able to push away evil and take in the good. However, he chose not to do it. He didn't want to have anything to do this with this. He sold his Bechorah. He had no interest. He went on his ways. He married the daughter of Ishmael. He was involved in Abu Dazara and Gilead Arayos, and he had children who, end, who eventually ended up becoming a Malik. So Asab chose bad. He chose evil. Now, here comes Leah in the story. And Leah sees very clearly that, you know, Yaakov is Ishtam Yoshevalim, Yaakov is Asetov, Yaakov wants to do good. And she's sitting here, she's born, she didn't do anything wrong. And all of a sudden, she's destined to be with Ra. So the Ra for her wasn't internal like it was with Asaph, right? Think about when Asaph was born. Asaph was, was born hairy, Asaph was born with a temper, Asaph was born Ishtadet. Leah had it external. However, she realized from a very young age that she doesn't want to have anything to do with this evil. So by her crying and by her davening and by her doing sormeira, she pushed away the evil and she became the ultimate balas tshuva. You know, we throw that term around like BT or bal tshuva as like, you know, it's somebody who didn't grow up religious, whatever, and then came to their ways. No, no, no. The Torah is saying here, that the level of Baal Teshuva is the highest level possible, right? There's a very famous Chazal, Baal Teshuva Umdim, Ein Tzadigamer Yechol, I forgot the rest of it, um, to, is not able to stand. Maybe somebody here in the comments can finish this off, right? In a place where a Baal Teshuva stands, it's the holiest ground that even a righteous Tzadik, say Yaakov or Rachel, would not be able to stand. Because what Leah did is that she fought and fought and fought and she cried and she didn't let Hashem give no for an answer. She's like, Hashem, I am not going to take Asa. This is not going to be. You need to figure something out. You need to change my destiny. And when you do that, I'm going to connect to the Tov. I'm going to soar Meira, the Asa Tov. You presented evil in front of me, Eitzadas Tov Ra, and I'm choosing Tov. I don't want to have anything to do with the Ra. Now, when she became the Baalas Tshuva, when she did this, she instilled into our DNA the ability to do Teshuva. Now, Teshuva is something very special. Teshuva is not something that's natural, right? When Hashem created this world and there's mishpat and there's judgment, if you do something wrong, you go to the court of law and you're in trouble, right? You stole from somebody, you, you damaged somebody's goods, right? You did something that, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Transformation Fitness. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm looking at the, oh, okay, fine. Thank you so much for that comment. Um, so what we see here is that shuva is not natural, right? How, you, you do something wrong. You go to the court of law. You're guilty. You, you know, this is your verdict. You go to jail for X amount of years. Hashem, however, instilled within this world this concept of tshuva, and the first person to bring this out was Leah, because Leah 
Even though she wasn't born with evil inside of her, she was presented with evil. She pushed that evil away. Other people in the past have made mistakes. Leah was the first one to be able to push that away and clearly define what she wanted. And Hashem granted that to her. Now, when it comes to tshuva, there are two levels of tshuva. There's tshuva meyira and tshuva me'ava. Tshuva meyira is very simple, right? You do something wrong and you're scared of being punished. So you end up, you know, doing, you know, doing something good and apologizing because you don't want to get punished, right? Think of like a little kid in school, right? They get sent to the principal. They do something wrong. They're petrified of the principal, right? Everyone is so scared of being sent to the principal. Then immediately they'll apologize. They'll, they'll recover from it. That is tshuva meyira. The second level is tshuva me'ava. Now, when tshuva me'ava happens, something incredible happens. When you use something because you love somebody, you want to be connected to them, tshuva me'ava turns the bad into good deeds, right? So tshuva me'ira, all the bad deeds, everything you did, all your chatam, they're taken away. Tshuva me'ava, ava turns the bad into the good. Hi, Mayor. My name is Fagy Bloomstein. Uh, thank you for joining. Um, tshuva me'ava turns the bad things into good things. Now, I'm going to show you so clearly what Leah did. Leah did tshuva me'ava, that she turned all the negativity in her life into something positive. She had it so hard. She had it so difficult. She, her sister was beautiful. Her sister was the chosen one. Her sister was the one that Yaakov, that Rachel, that Yaakov wanted to marry and be with the rest of her life. She was the one who, in Elea Rako, she was destined to marry Esau. She cried and she turned her life around. She did Shuba Me'ahava that she got more than any of the other wives did. It always bothered me. I'm like, I don't understand. What did Leah do in order to have six of the Shvatim when all the other ones had two? Because she did tshuva me'ava. When she was able to transform the negative in her life to good, that good multiplied and she got more from it. We always hear this. I mean, I always heard this when I was in school. Tshuva me'ira is one level. Tshuva me'ava is the highest level and it turns your negative into positive. And we see that so clearly here with Leah, the first person to imprint in us, to weave into us this ability to do teshuva. So now let's see a little bit through the children of Leah and see how she passed it on for our future generations. So there's a very famous story. Um, how did she tragically, sorry, someone's asking a question. How did she do tragically from Ahava, she just cried. No, she cried. She davened. She, she not only did she, did she cry, she davened and she turned to Hashem and she was begging Hashem that she doesn't want to be connected to evil. She wants to do good. So this is what, this is part of her tefillos to Hashem. So what ends up happening is that through her children, we see that she imprints this into their DNA and passes it on until eventually until the birth of Mashiach. So we see with Ruvain. Ruvain um, was her firstborn son. And Ruvain, it seemingly did a mistake. After the story goes that after Rachel died, Ruvain moved the bed of Yaakov into his mother's tent, into Leah's tent. Because originally it went from Rachel's tent to Bilhah's tent because she was the maidservant. And um, Ruvain felt that the tent should belong in Yaakov's tent. In, I'm sorry, that Yaakov's bed should belong in Leah's tent. So he did that, and they say that that wasn't correct. That was the wrong thing to do. And Reuven spent his whole life doing teshuva for that mistake. After that incident, it says that, you, that he, he went into a state of doing teshuva for the rest of his life. However, Chazal say that anybody who says that Reuven made a mistake, you're making a mistake because Reuven did the right thing. We have another story with one of the children of Leah, Yehuda, right? Very famously, Yehuda 
Um, he's actually the one who saved Yosef's life. And then after he saved Yosef's life and threw him into the pit, the brother said, well, you should have, Yehuda, you know, you're the leader. You should have told us, you know, that we should have never have even sold him. And they demoted him as the leader. And then it says, then it says, Vayerid Yehuda, and Yehuda continued with the rest of his life. And he left, he left his brothers because he was denounced leader. And he went on to have a whole story of Yehuda and Tamar, which is also a very secretive, strange story, just like the secret marriage of Leah and Yaakov, um, where it's seemingly he made a mistake. But really it says, whoever says that Yehuda made a mistake, really, that wasn't a mistake. That was the right thing to do. And we know that's the right thing to do because what came out of that relationship was actually the, eventually would be Mashiach. Um, and then later on, another descendant of Leah was David HaMelech. And David HaMelech also had a story, right, with Bacheva, where he saw her and then he wanted to marry her, so he had her husband killed. And it seems like David HaMelech on his level made a mistake, but whoever says that David HaMelech made a mistake, no, you're mistaken. David HaMelech did not make a mistake. We can continue going on with other children that come, descendants that come from Leah, right? Rus and Boaz, that story, all of it is leading to Mashiach. What we find is that whenever there's um, this, this seemingly wrong or maybe ugly, right? Or what the, what the tabloids like to say, a scandal, underneath, lying underneath there is the light of Mashiach. What may seem to the naked eye and to all of us who don't fully understand like a scandal or something ugly, right? It says that Leah, Leah was ugly. It looked like Leah was crying. She, you know, she needed, she needed some makeup. She needed some lashes, right? It looks like it's ugly. And underneath that ugliness is the most incredible, beautiful thing to Hashem that's even greater than a tzaddikamar. What Leah instilled within us is that sometimes things are going to look ugly. There are going to be challenges, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be something that looks like a scandal, but underneath there is a Baal rising. Underneath that, that, that scandal is something incredible brewing and stirring, and the lower you fall, the higher you're able to come. Like Rachel teaches us the ability to stand strong in your moment, right? To have that midas how you sowed and to be able to be quiet when you need to be quiet. What Leah teaches us, and you need both of these, absolutely. It's not like one is greater than the other. What Leah teaches us is that you fall down and you get back up. No matter how low you fall, you can always go back up. You think it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's evil. The rest of the world is saying, no, don't be involved in that, don't do that. Sometimes when you are faced with challenges and you return to do complete chuga, chuga me'ava, you actually gain more than just staying complacent and just staying good and just being connected to God. Sometimes we have to be involved in the filth to be able to rise so high. And this is the lesson that Leah teaches us and puts into the DNA that Rachel is the is, is the tzaddik. Rachel is perfection. And we have people like that in our lives. And we need people like that in our lives, right? Some, you know, it says that the world stands on these, on those tzaddikim, right? At any given moment, there's 36 tzaddikim, right? That, that are around the world, that are supporting the world. And those are the children of Rachel. But then we have the children of Leah. And Leah created this for us. That through her marriage that looked negative, that looked wrong, even though it was really right, it shows us that sometimes the negative and the difficulties and the challenges can be turned and churned into something positive and something even stronger. So this is what we get from Leah. It has to be that the people that come from her are so pure and so holy and are able to do this supernatural thing because Mashiach comes from them, right? Mashiach ben David, there's going to be a Mashiach ben Yosef, but Mashiach ben David comes from this Midah 
that Leah imprinted in our DNA. So we have Rachel, who's the Midas HaYisod, who's the Tzaddik, and then we have Leah, who's the ultimate Baal Tshuva, who teaches us that yes, some things are gonna be dirty, but the more you're involved in it, the greater and the higher levels you can come to, and, and we need to have both. These are the two, the builders of the Jewish nation. Um, so I'll look back to see if there are any questions. I was trying to answer people's questions. Um, thank you so much for joining. Um, we're going to, um, next week, we're going to talk about the story of Dina, which is a very interesting story. It's one of the children of Leah. So, um, we'll get to understand a little bit of that. Um, but really thank you so much all for joining. Um, I'm not sure I answered everybody's questions over there. What does, Omer oh, asked, what does tshuva from fear look like? So tshuva meyira is a way of, let's say, repenting just because you're scared. So sometimes, let's say, for example, on Yom Kippur, right? We do tshuva from yira, right? I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like you come to, you come to Yom Kippur and you're like, oh my goodness, I have a whole year ahead of me. Hashem, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I'm so scared as what's, what's going to happen. Um, tshuva me'ava is actually very much connected to the Yantif of Purim, but maybe we'll talk about that when we talk about the story of Esther. Okay, thank you so much for joining and have a great night, everybody.